it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Right, hello and welcome back to the LET Golf Podcast. And we are live this week from Finland with a very special guest. She's an LET winner this year. She was a winner at ATS Singapore and she's joining us live. It's Pauline Rousson from France. Pauline, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, we're great. It's nice and sunny here. I'm getting a tan on. So I can't complain. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, it's a beautiful country and it's nice to have some uh, good food from Europe. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just uh, it's going to be a great week with great weather and great course. So Absolutely. And I mean, it's great to have you back. Obviously, we last saw you out in Florida. Yes. First question. Why Finland? Why have you chosen to come back this week? So, I mean, I was I was eager to play, to be honest. And I had a couple of weeks off on LPGA and I just didn't want to go home and just sit on my couch. So I was, my mom mentioned uh, that tournament because obviously I was focused on what was happening in the US. And she was like, why don't you just go back to Europe and you know, play on LAT? I'm like, you know what, that's a brilliant idea. So that's what I did. And I flew back a couple of days ago uh, from the US in France for a day and a half and then flew here. And I was super excited because I've never been to Finland before. Went to Norway and Sweden for uh, European team championships, but never Finland. So. That's uh, it's going to be a cool week. Absolutely. And I mean, how are you feeling? How's the game? I know you had a, a top 10 on the LPGA in your last event. So just tell us where the game's at. It's uh, honestly, it's 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 trending in the right direction. And it, yeah, finishing on that top 10 definitely is a boost on my confidence. And then it's uh, and it's it's good for, you know, what's coming next. But I've been working more on myself rather than my actual game. So uh, it, it actually that top 10 is is very positive but it's not stopping me from keep doing what I've st- started working on basically it's uh it's just the proof that it's working and I'm just gonna keep working on on that thing that I've been working on <laughs> yeah so would you say it's all sort of starting to click again now what'd you say would you say your game is sort of starting to click again now yes definitely and I think it it's it's it helped that I started working with a new caddy uh, Gary Marshall and uh he, he knew how to reach out to me on the course when I started being an oyster and, and close myself uh, down. Um, and uh, since then, you know, we've, uh, we've done a, like a lot of good work and I started working with a new mental coach, started working again with Patricia Meunier-Lebouc a little bit. So it's, it's been a lot of mental side and mind work rather than actual game because the swing has always been there. I just was struggling with my, the way it was like seeing things and maybe about the new pressure that LPGA puts on myself, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned it earlier, but we've got to go back to that win in Singapore, uh, first and foremost, Tre- tremendous week. Uh, just, you know, talk to us. I guess you've had a bit of time now to reflect on it. Just tell us about that week. I mean, it was an amazing week. Same, first time in Singapore. A special week because my boyfriend, uh, Bruce Lowe, was on the bag. And it was, um, my coach Alan was there as well. And it was honestly a working week. It was, when I say that, I say that in a way where we still had stuff to work on on my swing that I wanted to, you know, uh, fix before starting on LPJ the week after. And... My mom was there as well, just because obviously I was going to go LPGA for a while, not seeing her for a while. Anyway, and so it was, yes, I was going there to win, but it was the first of 
like goal of that week was just to work on my game and throughout the days it was like oh this is this is getting really good and and then on that last round it just I mean I don't even have words to describe that but it was it was the first time that everything was just lined up in terms of like every aspect of the game plus the good moment that I was having with my boyfriend on the bed so uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, you mentioned that there. I remember your, your post-round uh, interview, you were saying, I think you were just chatting about TV or something like that, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we were talking about The Mandalorian cause, uh, <laughs> and the fact that I've never seen Star Wars. And every time he's like, we need to educate you. And I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we were just talking about what he hasn't seen and what I haven't seen in terms of TVs and then about TikTok and just just stuff to keep my mind off things, but it was very natural. We did not force it just to have my mind off things. It was just a good moment with him on the bag, just because it was the first time that he was on the bag. So, yeah. yeah. And have you now watched Star Wars? <laughs> I have not, <laughs> but I've, I've watched a couple of the series that are like prequels. I don't know how you call that, but they are from Star Wars, but I have not watched the movies. Got you. And I mean, how important is it just in general to take your mind away from golf and, and talk about other things? I know you're passionate about a lot of other sports and activities, but just how important is that to you to then take on the course? I think it's it's very important to, in my opinion, to not only have golf, but at the same time, there is a balance. Um, I usually perform when there is a perfect balance between uh, the grind I can put into golf and my interest outside. So I have a lot of interest for martial arts, skiing, TV shows, <laughs> but uh, mostly combat sport. And um, I was, like last year, I was obviously really trying to keep my mind off of golf because I was spending so much energy when I was out there on the course that I needed to just switch off. This year it's been a little bit different because I started having a couple of results that I did not like, that I wasn't expecting. And I was like, am I focused enough on golf? So I reversed the process and I got into more grind towards golf, less about other things. Um, but then I reached that limit where it was, again, too much golf and not enough of like switch off um, but growing up over the last couple of months and year uh, now my interest outside golf became a bit more like chill a bit more of like I started meditation a couple of weeks ago um, and it's been helping me a lot and it's now one of my interests outside golf and that's how I switch off as well uh, drawing as well uh, it's let's put it that way it's less active switch off like I could do with workouts like go on an elliptical and go as hard as I could and it would make me forget about golf no now it's more about like okay what can I do in a calm very calm manner to switch off um, and I think it's like the yin and the yang it's you have active switch off and you have passive switch off active one is workouts but now that I'm like a bit older I feel that I need that calm part and I've started doing that meditation part, not only martial arts and yeah. workouts. 
of course. And let's just tell us, talk a bit about, you know, you're working out, I think, and I won't mention it now, but I spoke to Suzanne Pettersson and she said that you were, she, you were one of the fittest players she's ever seen, which bodes well for Solheim, right? But just in general, I was like, that's a pretty big compliment from, from her. Wow. Yeah. So just tell me, I mean, how does your, your week look in terms of working out and, and you know, what, what activities do you do, you do to, to stay fit? Well, um, <laughs> just hit you with that bombshell. Yeah, <laughs> no, seriously, I was not expecting that. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm. Um, I try to just listen to my body a bit more now, in terms of like how the way I work out during the week, and I just, I just keep like, I keep pushing like some weights, even during you know uh, tournaments week. I keep doing some cardio. I'm just a bit more mindful of the impact it can have on my body and where I'm going to be sore and how it can affect my golf swing. Um, but then honestly, it's, it's a balance between working out and nutrition. Um, I'm on top of it on both ends. So uh, I would say that now I try to work out at least four times a week uh, during tournaments week. But it's, it can be now between 25 minutes to up to an hour. Um, and again, I'm more flexible now. Last year I was really trying to, uh, keep working out no matter what. And if I felt that I was like, oh, I don't really want to work out. I was like, stop being lazy and let's go, go to the gym. So I did that last year. I don't think I should have. And then I injured myself a little bit. So it, it pushed me to be a bit more mindful on that. And I'd say that this year, it's like, yes, I keep working out, but it's um, more towards like satisfaction. Why do I need to be satisfied? But I'm mindful on the fact that it's going to impact my golf and my energy level. So I keep working out, but I'm just a bit more mindful on it. Yeah, that's a good balance. Yeah. And we'll just go back now, like we like to do on the LET Golf Podcast. I know we haven't got too, too long, so... Just take us back to the start then. Um, how did you get into golf um, as a child? You know, what, what, who inspired you? Who were your heroes? Just tell us about the journey. Well, I, I think I started golf when I was like three or four years old. And I started at the same time as martial arts. I started, I was doing both judo, golf, a little bit of tennis, a little bit of everything. Um, but I started with my, with my parents, my brother and my grandma. And it just became a family thing. I was the only one in the family to really find an interest into competing. Um, so I was really, you know, working hard straight away when I was like six, seven, eight. And then when I was 10, I did my first national championship uh, in a category that was supposedly for 12 years old. And it was the start of, I think I really like this. I think I really like competing and I want to do that more. Um, so... It's like I spend a lot of time playing with my parents, my brother, my grandmother, especially uh, when I, whenever I was on holidays at her place in the south of France, we would we had this little tradition. Uh, we would go at six in the morning, singing songs in the car, going there and playing nine holes early morning and then go to the beach. And it was it, it just became a really happy moment. And I kept having a really good relationship with my grandma about golf and she was the biggest support don't get me wrong my parents have always been the biggest support as well never putting pressure on anything and they're just the best parents I could ask for 
to be honest. Uh, brother the same. So, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, I'll say my whole family, even on my, my aunt, my like grandparents on my dad's side, my grandma, everyone in the family has been like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, you know, keep having fun, keep doing your thing. And they've been like super supportive from day one and still now. Like I still receive messages today from everyone during tournaments and from my parents, my granny um, and like everyone, <laughs> literally everyone. And it's, it's, it's something special. Like sometimes, you know, when it's a bit hard and you see messages like that, you're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, play better. So they see better and they, maybe they expect better from me, but they're just like, it's unconditional love and unconditional support. And I think that's super important. So that's kind of this, the place that my family takes into that journey. It's, uh, they're part of it, literally. Yeah, that's lovely. And how was the scene for you in France uh, growing up? I know you represented France a lot as well as a junior. Just talk to us about, about your, you know, your roots. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think I played my first na um, tournament for the French team when I was 13 for the European Young Master. Um, and then first European team championship when I was 14. And it just kept going. I played uh, eight years in a row, the European team championships, um, both for girls and ladies team. And then I encountered many different coaches that all of them impacted me in, in a good way, sometimes not in a good way, but I learned from it. So it was like all about building towards, you know, my final goal and getting on LPGA and, and furthermore. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I got homeschooled when I was 14 because the French system, school system is not designed for athletes at all. And and the, um, the school does not like when you have other interests than just school. So they make you choose. It's like either you're an athlete and you have to stop school or you just choose school and you give up on your sport. And we're like, this is not going to work. I had the chance to have um, my mom who's, who was not working at the time. And we're just like, all right, if they don't want to work with us, will work our own way and build my own team, build my own school at home. And my mom was helping me starting 14 years old until I had my final exam, my baccalaureate when I was 19 and then off to the States. Wow. So, so that was 14. When was it that you'd actually decided, yeah, I want to be a professional golfer. And when did you, did you have to like pick between the other sports that you were interested in? What, what sort of age did that happen? I never, I always like kept going you know, kept training in the other sports, no matter what my decisions were regarding professional or not. Um, it, I think when I was like 14, 15, we were on the fence regarding going to the US, you know, at a university. And it was, I think when I was like probably like 13, 14, I was like, oh, I think, I think I like that. And, but for, for me, life was always, after I knew I could go to college in the US, it was all about going there, use university as a, like, a perfect start to go on LPGA. And, and that's what I did, honestly, is, um, um, 
So I worked towards that throughout the years. I was like, I know that in 2019, I'm going to go to college and that I'm going to give myself a little time and then go to Q series and get my card on LPGA and start winning on LPGA and all that. So everything was very organized towards that. Everything was like uh, workouts and my life was about this. But it never stopped me from sparring with, with friends, you know, boxing and keep having an interest in Kali, which is uh, a martial art that you use sticks, I'd say, like wooden sticks. And got into MMA two years ago with um, David Baudrier, the trainer I, I'm training with right now, both boxing wise and just workout wise that are really specific to golf. So it's just, uh, I, th I think it's just a balance because I, uh, when I was working out back in France, I was working with uh, Frédéric Lambertin, who's like the best trainer ever as well. And we were working towards that goal of surviving the eight days in a row of Q series because eight days is super long. It's like a lot of golf. So you have to have enough cardio to survive that. So starting like 2016 or 17, we were already working towards that, towards playing a lot of golf. Little did I know that it was even more golf than I was expected, uh, especially my first year on tour, but everything was towards that. And I kept the other interest as well. Never stopped on either end. Yeah, nice. And you touched on college then. So you obviously went to University of South Carolina. Yeah. Why did you pick there and what are your memories from there? So I, I was recruited when I was... Uh, in Europe by uh, Kaelin Anderson and I went to visit in 2018 I believe and I signed straight straight away it was a golf paradise literally it's 18 acres of fairway greens that are at like 13 um, feet speed it's just the best thing ever it's uh, you can do whatever you want you can work like practice the way you want and even if it's, if it's raining, they have this thing that can move around with you and you can play under the rain, not being soaking wet. So um, it was um, a lot of about, about golf. Uh, we had five different golf courses to practice at. And uh, I love that variety of, of courses. And, and then the school, the school was really good. I knew that their business school was probably like second school in the country, uh, same as psychology. And, and then the campus was, it's huge, it's 35,000 students. So it was big, but not too big. And it was like the coach that I had, Kaylin and, and Kevin Williams, made my life in college amazing. It was just the best time ever. And they were working around me, they were helping me any way they could. And it was just the, the perfect path to LPGA and I'm still super, super thankful like now about all this. And I still try to go back to South Carolina a lot. So yeah, good memories yeah. for sure. That's beautiful. I was, I did a year in UNC. So similar. Oh, nice. so we were actually yeah. like I rivals. Mean, <laughs> yeah. North Carolina is great. It's just any, just a golf in paradise. Like yeah. you say, that oh, whole strip, you can just, yeah. Amazing. Oh, it's a different world. Mm -hmm. It's a different culture. They really have, uh, the, this athletic culture that is my culture, the way that my parents, have and the way and where I grew up in and it's so not the case in France I it's it's awful to say that but it's I think it's sad that you're 14 years old and if you want to keep having a family 
your family around uh, and you still have and school is very important to you you would have to literally stop school to actually be an athlete or you would have to go in a golf school which, which, which would be in Paris where I live in the south of France and you live you leave your you know your home and you're 14 and it's like this is not go this is not happening so i think that's where there's a flaw in the system where there could there can be better things on that uh so when i arrived to the states it was like paradise yeah wow <laughs> yeah like just everything the stadiums it's different oh it's different huge. world yeah yeah that one's huge as well isn't it exactly. oh definitely yeah incredible but uh we've got to talk about uh you were there with Anna Palayev of course yes um yes. and we had her on the podcast and she she had a lot of fond memories from your travels all around the states playing golf so so just tell us a bit about that friendship I mean Anna and I were roommates for uh a year and it was hilarious I was swearing in Spanish she was swearing in, in French <laughs> and it would just uh she's a hard worker and it was so nice to have someone who was like working hard next to me and who was living her dream and who was working towards her goal and I think that's why we got like very close because we were just on the same page on a lot of things um we had our moments as well obviously living together but uh overall it's just full of like incredible memories and support and now that we're both on tour it's like I can't wait for her to be like, I'm super happy when I'm on L.E.T. because we get to play together and compete together. And I can't wait for her to get on LPGA a couple times because it's I think we need some Annapelaev on the LPGA. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's uh, she's an incredible player and like being with her was in, in college was an inspiration a lot. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, you must have. I mean, how much do you like? you know, talk to each other now and, and help each other out. You know, how does that support system still work between the two of you? I mean, whenever there is like a win or a good result, we're always here for each other. It's like yeah. we send tons of messages, um, you know, obviously Instagram as well. And I'm sure that we, I mean, I keep an eye on what she, on what she does. She does on like on my end. So it's, uh, um, we know we're both out there and it's exciting to see the both of us perform yeah absolutely and moving on then to you turning pro obviously coming off the back of a prolific amateur career 34 weeks as number one amateur mm -hmm. which must have been very special but then talk to us about the decision to turn pro and then within two weeks you were an let winner right second event so just tell us about that whole process and then what it was like to win at the scafter open um well scafter was amazing it was great <laughs> like my mom was on the bag um because i still i still couldn't play with a like a professional caddy on the bag I was still working on it to have someone on the bag and someone within my thoughts and all that anyway I um honestly it was my coach in college who called me and she's like why aren't you turning pro and I'm like because I told you I was coming back for another semester and I don't want to let you down and she was like look I'll be fine if what's best right now for you is to turn pro to be able to play professional tournaments earn some money for you to then be comfortable when you play Q series for LPGA, then go for it. So after we had that call, I got an invite, thanks uh, to a friend uh, on Symmetra Tour, sent an email to say that I was switching my status to a professional one, and I started from there. And honestly, because of the way I've been 
working, I didn't feel any difference in terms of like turning pro was just on paper because in my mind, I've always been very professional on a lot of things um, inspired by the best. And so I was like, it doesn't change anything. It's just a piece of paper, basically. So I got on Skefto in, uh, in August and my mom was on the bag. And it was, again, all about having a good time because I was going to go back to the US because I was still in college at the time. And um, Reine, who gave me the invite for the second time, because the first year I played Skefto, I missed the cut by a lot of shots. And I was like, I need to figure out this course. So that was the mentality. I, I went back to Skefto. I was like, I think I'm going to figure out that course. And that's what I did. And it was... It was obviously full of good memories because uh, Lynn Grant was there. She was the one spraying champagne on the 18th green and she was the one spraying champagne in Singapore as well. Uh, we're really good friends with a couple of the Swedish players and I think we all inspire each other. There's Maya Stark as well, Frida. We're all in the same bubble of performance and we follow each other and all that. But Skefta was definitely the start of a long line of, of victories for sure. Yeah. And what did it do for your confidence moving forward? Must've been a big boost, right? Definitely, honestly, I was I just kept doing what, what I was doing. It was, um, at the time it was very easy to just tell myself, um, you're, you're playing this tournament because you're working towards your goal on going on LPGA. So nothing was bad. Oh, there were no bad shots, they were just, shots that can be better so I can be better to get ready for Q series and having that in in like in my mind there was no failure possible it was just work 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 towards Q series and LPGA tour so based on that I just kept working towards that I, I got the chance of you know winning in Skefta get my LET card which opened doors to a lot of tournaments uh, moving forward and I played them to just you know keep get myself ready for for that moment where I had eight days to perform to get on LPGA and that was my chance well first it was second stage four days and then the Q series so that was the big thing that really kept my mind straight uh, from for at least three years college life and then when I turned pro yeah, absolutely. And looking ahead, then now we'll try and be, be quick and wrap this up for you. But uh, you know, looking ahead, what are your what are your goals? I know you've said it before about playing in the Solheim Cup, winning on the LPGA. But let's just elaborate a bit more on your goals, especially for this year and for the future. Honestly, um, I mean, obviously, I have I have long term goals, uh, career goals that I, um, I mean, definitely like becoming the best player in the world and remaining it remain at the top and having that consistency of being at the top is definitely the goal. Um, obviously then, you know, throughout the years, having as many wins as possible for on LPGA and on majors. Um, but honestly, right now, I'm really focused on building um, my own mind in a way where it's gonna take me through my whole career. I'm building a a, a mentality that is gonna uh, really affect the way I play on tour because it is so much different than when I, what I was doing when I was back in amateur. 
it's so much golf and the the level that is required to perform uh, is so high that there are many different things that I'm working on to save energy on the course, of the course, to actually perform even better because I used to have a very high intensity type of mentality out there. It was like, around the tournament, I'm just gonna break legs and this is, nothing is gonna stop me and no one is gonna stop me and this is how it's gonna work. And that's a mentality that, that is like energy consuming a lot. It can work for a week, but then if you have two weeks off, it's fine. But we're talking about playing four weeks, five, up to nine weeks in a row where you obviously, you obviously want to perform on every single one of them. So I have to redefine, rediscover myself on that because I can't do that. Like I can't do the, the high intensity type all the time, basically. Yeah. So I'm working on that. That's the goal as of right now. And I'm working with that on every single tournament that I'm going to be playing over the next couple of weeks. Very good. Very motivational. Focused. Yes. I like it. You yeah. should be like a public speaker, Pauline. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> hey, my good gosh. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm feeling inspired. I want to go out and get the Let's cups go. myself. Uh, no, good stuff. And before we go then, uh, just to wrap this up, we're just going to hit you with some quick fire questions Okay. Um, for our listeners. So it's just pretty much one word answers or you collaborate a little bit more, but just go into a bit of depth. So favorite food? <gasps> mm, pizza. Solid. Yeah, definitely pizza. Especially after it. Big workout, right? It's like oh yeah, hmm. or a long tournament. I honestly, every week we have a tradition. We have a pizza night with friends. We have a burger night. Uh, so I try to we try to keep that nice. every week. Yeah. Uh, favorite holiday destination. It, it has to be a destination with snow, oh, cold yeah. snow, um, very nice landscapes. Uh, but I'd say honestly, in Orsier, that's where I I go skiing. Because you're a big skier, right? Yep. Yeah. I am. Nice. Yes. Um, favorite music? Who did you used to listen to, Grandma? Well, it, th- these were like little songs that you sing when you're young. Yeah. Um, but it, it would honestly be probably rock from the 70s or 80s, like Billy Idol, Nick Kershaw, um, um, uh, Motorhead, like all this artist nice. but as of right now i'd say like pop music is what i yeah. i'm listening to but mostly 70s 80s no that's awesome so you do a bit of mma and you listen to rock music oh, oh yeah definitely good combination exactly. like a little punk rocker yep. <laughs> yeah um do you have any golfing superstitions anything you do on the course or before a tournament i try to stay away from superstition because uh golf is already hard enough <laughs> that it there's no room for superstition but I do have this little superstition when I'm marking my ball with one marker. If I made the putt, it means it, that marker has a good vibe. So I'll keep using that one. And if I miss the, the putt, I switch to another one. Okay. Yeah. But it's just going to be in between two. So I just switch around with these two. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, who is your favorite sports person that's not a golfer? I would say either Michaela Schifrin or Lindsay Vaughn. Okay. Both skiers. Both skiers, yeah. Yeah. And what about in the world of MMA? <gasps> oh, that's a tough one. I mean, Conor McGregor is okay. definitely... 
I'm not talking about the person and I'm just talking about his mentality and his hard work and his sports philosophy. Mm. Like his, um, his show on Netflix was very inspirational and I think it's a good one to watch. Nice. Good, good plug. Yeah. Um, and final one then, what is your dream four ball? If you could pick any three players to play with, who are you picking? My four ball? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, Rory. Michael Rowe for sure. Everyone says Rory <laughs> on this podcast. I mean, we have the same putting coach, so. Okay. <laughs> um, how can I say? Does he have to be a golfer? No, that's what I was actually about to say. Okay. I like the answer, okay. but he's not a golfer. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> okay, Marky Mark. And, yes. And Rory. I've listened to his songs. <laughs> Um, and then the third one, um, that's a tough one. A Lindsay Vaughn plays golf, right? She does. If she does, so I would love to play plays, with her. Yeah. So Lindsay. Okay. Then. That's, that's a strong four. Yes. I'll take that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Nice. Well, we'll wrap it up there then, Pauline. That's been, you've been absolutely great. And some, awesome. some great answers there. And obviously, best of luck this week Thank you. Uh, in Finland. And Thank hopefully, you. we'll have you again soon on the future. Yes, yeah. thanks Perfect. for having me. Well, no, thanks for listening, guys, to this episode of the LET Golf Podcast. Please give us a follow on socials at LET Golf, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. It's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.